to the Icon Church podcast. Icon Church is one church in five locations. Our vision is human flourishing. We pray that this podcast helps you to flourish in life. For any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Before you, uh, before you take your seats, I, I want to welcome uh, you all to Icon Church, particularly if you're here for the first time. Why don't we welcome them again, all those people. Those watching online as well, thank you for joining this morning. Why don't you grab your seats? Uh, we're going to get right into this. Like Jane says, this is the third part of our Jesus King series, which I've really enjoyed. It's a, it's a Christmas-themed series, but it's taken from a, the latest album from a guy called Kanye West, who... Uh, I would like to say that I'm down with the kids and I listen to Kanye West, but I've got to be honest, (laughs) it's not my cup of tea. But what I love about this guy is a rap artist who's had an incredible change uh, uh, in his life. You know, God has transformed his life, turned his life around. And if you can find some stuff out there to read about his story, there's a great interview on YouTube with Joel Osteen. You know, go and watch that interview. It's great just to see what God has done in his life. And I love that thought that God is still doing that today, still changing lives. And I believe he wants to change somebody's life here this morning as well. I really believe that. Well, here's to say he's brought this new album, album out called Jesus is King. And we're taking a song title from that album uh, and using it as a, a message title, for, uh, as a theme for our series. And, and this week, my song title is, a, is the title Follow God, Follow God. I don't know about you, but when it comes to Christmas time, one of the fun memories I have is, is searching for gifts. You know, maybe you've had that experience this year where you've gone looking for that gift, that special gift for a loved one. You know, what lens would you go to to purchase that gift, to get that special one gift? I'd like to say that it was a gift that I bought for my wife, Jane, thinking back over the years, but it wasn't. The one that I do remember was for my daughter, Amy. One year... <laughs> One year, my daughter particularly wanted something called a Nintendo DS. I don't know if anybody remembers. The kids might remember Nintendo DSs. These were those handheld game uh, consoles, you know, uh, with the pens uh, and that sort of thing. But uh, she particularly one year wanted a pink Nintendo DS. And they were one of those things that everybody wanted, particularly, obviously, all the girls wanted a a pink Nintendo DS. And I could not find one anywhere. So... uh, so I had to search high and low. And I managed to, in the end, find two Nintendo DSs. I had to purchase both of those. One was from Canada. No, I didn't go all the way to Canada for it. <laughs> and one was from China. Uh, and I didn't, certainly didn't go all the way to China for it. But I managed to get these two Nintendo DSs. Not to give a two on Christmas Day, but at least to give a one. And then I had to get rid of the other one, obviously by selling it and making a profit. But uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks, George. I didn't make a profit, actually, I just broke even, but at least I broke even, that's the main thing. (laughs) But I want us to look at today a group of individuals who uh, followed God, searched for something in an incredible way. You know who I'm going to be talking about this morning, but their search initially was inspired by a cosmic phenomenon, the star, but ultimately it led them to a king, to a saviour, to the Messiah, Jesus. They went to incredible lengths 
much more than any Christmas shopping excursion we may go on, but to reach their ultimate goal. What can we learn from those men today? My story, personal story of following after God is, is an incredible one, really. I remember when I was 16, you know, that I was, I was in church, I was brought up in church, but I had to come to that moment in my life that I was going to say, I'm going to follow Jesus for myself. And God did something incredible in my life at the age of 16 where I, my life was turned around and I began to follow Jesus. And, uh, you know, he's been with me. You know, he's taken me on that journey because it is a journey. You know, when you think about the wise men, it's an incredible journey. And, and following God is an amazing journey. But there are lots of things along the way, bumps and valleys and mountains. And how many times do we look back and how many times have we got an eye in the past where God wants to take us into the future. God's got something at the end of it, which we know is incredible, which we know is the ultimate goal that we're searching for. Let's read about these wise men. Matthew chapter two, from verse one. First 12 verses of Matthew two, let's read those. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Matthew here records for us what some of our Christmas cards depict. I say some because you don't see it too often these days. You may find us seeking their way to Jerusalem. That is the artist's attempt bringing a simple phrase from verse one here in Matthew two into life. Magi or wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. But I think it raises some questions for us today. Who are these guys? Who are they? And where did they come from? And one thing that is immediately apparent when you read those verses in Matthew 2 is there's not a great deal of detail about them. There's nothing here that identifies them with what we've become familiar with. So I want us to first of all say something this morning about their identity. And then I want us to look at their inquiry. And then we will say something finally at the end about their discovery. So I want us to focus on those three things today. Their identity, their inquiry, and finally, their discovery. So their identity. You know, we have to, if you like, leave it up to to legend or tradition to to fill in the blanks. The journey of the wise men has been the focus of poets and painters throughout the centuries. We see so many representations in, in art and literature. 
They are often shown in paintings as riding on camels and dressed quite spectacularly. I've got a few examples I wanted to, to show you this morning. If you look at some of these amazing pictures and just uh, how they're dressed, you know, very often you'll see them. It's almost like they've been dressed by Ralph Lauren, you know, in these incredible uh, garments of different colours and very often they've got crowns on their heads as well, like kings. The one I like is this last one because when you think about it, they need to be dressed appropriately when they're travelling across, you know, the wilderness and, uh, and the deserts where they had to travel many miles and this is why, probably this is my favourite one. Traditionally, we've also been led to to believe that there were three, three of them. But it doesn't say there were three in these verses. Or how many there were at all. There could have been more, there could have been less. And traditionally they're known as three because they brought gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. So we've come to that conclusion that there were three, but obviously one of them could have brought all the gifts. There could have been lots of gold, lots of frankincense, lots of myrrh, you don't know. But we've made this, these deductions because it all fits quite nicely. It's, it's a nice thing to, to sort of put together in that picture form. But, uh, and also we've come to know a carol so well, or we've learnt a carol that we sing most years, and it's we three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse afar. Not one in a taxi, one in a car, but uh, the way that we used to sing it as kids. But you know that carol, it fits, it fits nice. It scans well, if songwriters out there, it just fits quite well. But if, if you were to go down a different path with writing that song, it wouldn't work so well if we were to sing, we kings of an indeterminate number of learned ones from somewhere from the east side of Judea. It doesn't make for a, a great, great carol, does it? We wouldn't be able to sing that. I remember the first time I played a king in the school nativity. Has anybody ever played a king in a school nativity? A few kings out there. Uh, well, I was the third one. I was bringing the myrrh and it was a biscuit tin. You remember when you had to, to bring the gifts in a school nativity, it was made, something that we'd made up. Mine was a, a biscuit tin. And I had to learn the verse, myrrh is mine, it's bitter perfume, breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a stone cold tomb. I had to learn that at the age of eight. Can you believe that? You know, give me white Christmas any day. <laughs> but to learn that was amazing. You know, we, we don't know their number. We, we don't know much at all about them. So what, what do we do with that? Well, I think we, we move on. We don't get stuck in the details because there's an incredible story unfolding before us that will have a huge significance on the known world then, but also it's as powerful today than it's ever been. You know, it's amazing how the internet is full of discussions and, and debates on all kinds of irrelevant details, if you like. And people get stuck in, in those details. I, I read one recently, was, was Jesus born in Bethlehem or was he born just outside of Bethlehem? You know, why do people debate these things? Do they really matter? Because I think people love intrigue, don't they? They love conspiracy theories. But I think we've got to be careful with that we don't miss the main things. You know, the main things are the plain things. And there's a story, an incredible story here that we need to, to focus on, need to get our hearts into, need to, to let Jesus transform our lives as we get into the story, the main story that what's happening. So what, what do we know? Well, we know what we're told. Wise men 
came from the East. I think instead of trying to create an identity for them, realistically, let's look at the inquiry that they made. Because actually, I think their inquiry gives us a key to their their identity. So secondly, inquiry. What, What was their inquiry? Matthew 2 verse 2 says, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? These wise men had come to the conviction that a significant king had been born. That this king was directly related to the Jewish people and that this king had been born in Judea. That was their great question. We have come a long way and we would like to find him. They'd simply described as wise men. In some translations, in fact, in in translation I read, they're described as magi. And the English translation by saying magi is trying to make something clear that what they are is what they are not, if that makes sense. What they are is what they are not. In other words, when we read that they were wise men, we may be tempted to say, oh, they're just a, a group of guys who did well in their exams. You know, they've got their degrees, their diplomas. Some have said that they were, they were astronomers, but that's not a, a good translation for our contemporary understanding today. Some have said that they were astrologers, but I don't think that's true because this wasn't a superstition for them. This was hard science. They were wise men, they were scientists. And translators are trying to convey the nature of these wise men. They were wise men who had studied the stars, believing that in some way cosmic forces had, a, had an impact on both life and history. So when they looked up into the night sky, they saw changes. And when they pondered these things, uh, they made deductions based on the strength of them. But they weren't just involved in, simple, in the simple principles of, of science. Their science had a, a theological dimension to it. They were theological scientists, if you like. Science and faith hand in hand. It wasn't a separate thing. They were together. They were brought together. When you try and trace science back down the centuries, you'll discover humans seeking knowledge because that is the root word that science means, knowledge or, or seeking knowledge. Some people have said that science deals with the realm of fact, whereas faith deals in the realm of fancy. But that's not true. That is not true. And these individuals, these guys would have said no to that thought. And that is how they ended up where they were. They were sincere individuals trying to figure things out for themselves. Let me just think, let's just think about that for a moment. The truth is that you may have been, or maybe you still are, sincere individuals trying to figure things out. Maybe you're trying to figure Christmas out. Maybe you're trying to figure yourself out. Maybe you're trying to figure life out, try to understand, trying to put all the pieces together hoping that it it all makes sense, trying to understand how did I end up here, that I actually exist on planet Earth. Have you ever thought about that for a moment? Where am I going? What am I or who am I following? Sincere people looking at the evidence and where is it leading me? That may be you this morning. You know you're in good company. That's the kind of uh, thing that these men were doing. They were thinking, they were searching They hadn't disengaged their brain. They were thoughtful and they were deadly serious. They would have to be deadly serious to do what they were doing. One strongly held view is that these guys came from Persia, Babylonia, possibly Babylon itself, which is now known as Baghdad in Iraq. And their journey would have taken from Babylon 
to Jerusalem. That distance would have been around 800 miles, which is an incredible journey to travel in those days. Not sure how long it would have taken on a camel, but let's say 20 miles a day. Well, that would have been 40 days. 40 days because of a star. Can you imagine their wives? What would their wives have been like? What would their response be? Excuse me, what? I thought it was a business trip. Well, it is a kind of business trip. Well, what's the business? Well, myself and a few friends, we go to that meeting on a, on a Wednesday night. We've seen this phenomena, this star rising. And we've combined it with some of the books that we've been reading. Oh, said the wife, I've told you to stop reading those old books. You've been reading that stuff that Daniel wrote, haven't you? Yes, I have. Well, that explains it. But if you take cosmic phenomena and ancient books and dreams and vision, the combination of a sign, a star, and also with ancient truth, this is what led them to where they were. That was the result of their inquiry. The book of Daniel in the Old Testament and other Hebrew texts were prophesying or foretelling of a coming kingdom that would be established, that would never be destroyed. That even when God's people, the Jews, were in, in exile in Babylon, in the chaos, the day will come, was promised and prophesied, that the kingdom of God will cover the earth like the waters covered the sea, that a king would rise, the Messiah would rise, that would lead his people. That was the promise and that was the promise that they were standing on. And Daniel wrote those things, not, because, not just because he was hearing from God, but also he knew the Scriptures too. He knew the promises. And you can see how these guys, these individuals with their inquiring minds were endeavouring to put all those elements together of signs and, and of promises from the Old Testament. And I think it's a reminder for all of us that people in their search for God start in all kinds of places, don't we? If I was to ask each and every one of you, maybe who are following God, made that decision, come to that decision yourself, where did you start? Where was the point, the place where you started from? I love that, that thought that God takes all people from all kinds of places. They begin their journey at all points of the compass, east, west, north, south, from all realms of the world. That God, the God of the universe, uses in the minds and hearts of people elements that maybe, maybe seem unusual to some, but in order that they, it may begin in them, a seeking after, a longing for, an investigation of that, which he knows will ultimately, by his grace, lead them to the one place, to the one person, Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about. So from many points to one solution, to one person, to Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And these men are included in that. And maybe you are today. For them, it was a, a new star, a new king. And in Judea, of all places, it would be one thing to be sitting around in a Babylonian cafe discussing these things, but to do what these men did was incredible. Remember the shepherds? They said, let us go to Bethlehem and see these things that has happened, this thing that has happened. For them, that was pretty easy. They were in a field just nearby. They didn't have to travel too far. But these guys, to make the same decision, was a journey of, of some 800 miles. Let us go and see. They were probably part of a much larger group that they were leaving behind. What is it that causes three, four, five, however many they were to set off on their quest that brings them directly to Jesus? 
Something stirred inside of them. Something inspired them to follow the star, to search for the King of Kings, the Messiah. What did the prophet Jeremiah say? He said this in Jeremiah 29 verse 13. He said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This was God speaking. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. When I read that and preparing this, I was thinking of, sadly about a, a certain Scottish band, I'm afraid. <laughs> but I would walk a thousand miles <laughs> just to get to your door. <laughs> they were singing about a girl, obviously, but uh, these guys were saying that we'll go 800 miles if we can find this King. If we can find Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What did they find? What did they find? Let's look at their discovery, a third thing, discovery. They had arrived in Jerusalem. What, what did they discover? First of all, they discovered they were in the wrong place. <laughs> they discovered they were in the wrong place. It probably sounded logical that if they were looking for the king, they would head to the capital of Judea, which was Jerusalem. And they're gonna check the palace out, obviously. Maybe the king was there. I'm sure they would have asked around first when they got there. You know, we come to see the king of the Jews. What responses would they have got? What? what? Who? Who you come to find? Yeah, the one who was born king of the Jews. You know, we've come 800 miles for goodness sake. There is, the response may have been, sorry, you know, we, we don't know what you mean. Some would have been clueless, obviously. Some may have been antagonistic towards them. But I would imagine most people would have been indifferent. They had come to the wrong place. And maybe just a thought, you know, they had set off on the, their journey on the basis of a star and then they decided, I think we can get where we need to be on the basis of our own thinking, our own deductions. Sometimes we can fall into that trap, can't, you? can't we? We have this incredible experience, but then we try and work it out ourselves and through our own deductions and our own thinking. We forget we need to have faith in Jesus, faith in God. And I think maybe they went off track a little bit. But secondly, they discovered, this is interesting, they discovered the chief priests, the teachers of the law, who were able to give them the answer that these guys didn't seem to care. You know, they were their indifferent response, if you like. Herod had summoned these experts and told them about the wise men's inquiry and asked them, have you got any information on this? Yes, they said, and, and they gave an answer. And they quoted the prophet Micah, and it's, it's in verse, verses four to six. He said, when he had called all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Bethlehem, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. It's incredible that they were scholars aware of what had been prophesied and yet they wouldn't make a journey of six miles to go and worship the King of the Jews. That's incredible. These were the religious professionals, if you like. They knew the Bible text, didn't seem interested in going to worship he that was promised, that promised Messiah, that promised King. You know, the wise men must have been scratching their heads as they headed off to Bethlehem. Isn't that amazing? You would think that the people who know the answer to the question would be the ones leading the way. 
And for me, that always reminds me of what we say often in church where religion and relationship clash. You know, it is about relationship. It is about trusting Jesus, about following him. And when religion like them gets in the way, it clouds their vision. It clouds the truth, if you like. They should have gone and worshipped the King of Kings, but something stopped them. And I think religion got in the way. What gets in the way of us finding and, and following Jesus? Yes, knowledge is needed, but it has to change the heart as well. There has to be a change of heart. You know, and as we see for the third thing, and the band want to come and join me uh, for these last couple of points. This is what they discovered, that they did need scripture. They did need the Bible to point them in the right direction. They had gone wrong. Now they needed to go right. And God uses always to get our attention some extraordinary means. Maybe it's not a star for you, but there are other things and other ways that he gets us to follow him. But I think he always brings us to his word, the Bible, in order that we might meet the living word, his son, Jesus. And that's what it's all about. The word of God, but it has to come alive. It has to come alive and it comes alive through his son, Jesus. You know, there is no way to God except through Jesus, that he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life, Jesus Christ. So they discovered they were in the wrong place. They discovered the religious leaders didn't care or didn't seem to care. They discovered that they needed Scripture, the Bible, to get them where they needed to be. And finally, they discovered or realised that worship, worship was their only response. Worship was their only response. Verse 9 to 11. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them only until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. I love that thought. They were full of joy. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. We don't know where Joseph was, but uh, <laughs> the, the baby child was with mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. They worshipped him. They didn't worship them. They worshipped him. They opened their treasures of, and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. You see, whatever phenomena God uses to get their attention, to get our attention, to start our thinking, to start our investigation, like the wise man, when he finally brings us to Jesus, we don't come to Jesus as arrogant scientists, as know-it-alls, wise men who know everything. No, we come humbly and we bow to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That was their response. I love that. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're looking for something or someone to change your life, to change your circumstance. Maybe you're looking for a miracle in your life. Like these men trying to put all the pieces together, they worshipped Him. They fell down on their knees opened up their treasures and gave him these gifts. And that's all we told about them. They were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod and so they leave and they've gone. I would have loved to have got hold of these guys and asked them a few questions, wouldn't you? Just to find some other bit of detail out about their experience. You know, we, we got the part about you kneeling down and worshipping but did you ever ask Mary, what was the child's name? That would have been the thing to do, surely. What's his name? And 
Did she tell you his name? Did you ask her, why did you call him that? Why did you call him Jesus? Did you ask her that? Did she say, and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins? And did you, when you knelt down before him, did you confess your sin? Did you receive him as Lord and Saviour? Did you do that? We know that when you arrived in Bethlehem with the treasures of earth in your hands. But what I want to know, did you leave Bethlehem with the treasure of heaven in your heart? That is the question for them, but it's the question for us as well. You know, we've got stuff that we can give, but what can we receive today? Can we receive Jesus, that incredible treasure of heaven that will change our lives? It's the one question we've all got to answer. Are we going to leave here with the treasure of heaven in our heart? What is our response to Jesus? Hopefully it's to humbly bow and worship Him, to receive Him as Lord and King today. I hope that's something that may be stirred in your heart like was stirred in their heart. Maybe you're searching for something. Maybe there's something you're following right now, but you know the one to follow is Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords going to pray right now we're going to sing a song of worship and then I want to come back and ask you that question today what is your response to Jesus the King of Kings are you going to follow him are you going to worship him today let me pray Father God I thank you for Jesus thank you for this incredible story of of discovery Lord and my prayer today Lord is that each and every one of us Lord, will receive Jesus today as Lord and King, Lord, that we will humbly bow. We won't come as know-it-alls, as wise men who think we, we know everything, but as humble men and women who are willing to bow and worship Jesus, to receive Him, that precious gift, that precious treasure into our hearts that we might leave today. We might have brought stuff, Lord, that we wanna hand over to You, but Lord, we wanna receive Jesus, that incredible gift, today, Lord. We want to worship you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's stand together. Let's worship for a moment. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.